Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Food uh, In the Torah study, we're studying on Rosh Hashanah this morning and why Rosh Hashanah is important to Christians. And so we wish you a happy Rosh Hashanah. And uh, obviously, it's uh, for many uh, Christians, it's a, a, a new study. There's new revelation, because we didn't even know growing up there was a Rosh Hashanah. We knew there was a Valentine's Day. Right, We knew there was Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, Flag Day, but we didn't know one of God's appointed days, Rosh Hashanah. And uh, Friday night, uh, we welcomed in Rosh Hashanah. It's a two-day celebration. It's one of the seven feasts of the Lord. Uh, God calls them my feasts. Yes, they're Jewish feasts. First and foremost, he gave them to Israel. But uh, you and I, as believers in Yeshua, Jesus, uh, uh, Paul said in Romans 11, we've been grafted into Israel. We kind of got that turned around through the centuries that uh, we're the the new Israel. No, we're not. (laughs) Israel is still Israel. And uh, in Leviticus 23, God uh, laid out his plan of the feasts of the Lord. He said, they're my feasts, so uh, we need to know about God's feasts. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, that Hebrew word, Rosh Hashanah, actually means head of the year. And so traditionally, it's always been celebrated uh, as... Uh, a one of the several new years on the biblical calendar and so happy new year (laughs) Uh, friday night ushered in the 10 days of awe that uh, it's known as these 10 days between the beginning of rosh hashanah uh, and yom kippur that's coming we'll celebrate that next sunday and talk about that, the Day of Atonement. And so, uh, as uh, most of you know, if you, as you've been coming to Torah study, New Beginnings, you've been following Pastor Larry and Tiz for many moons, uh, God gave us biblical holidays, not so we could just decorate <laughs> and, and find a new reason to eat. <laughs> I like to decorate and I like to eat. But there's revelation attached to the holidays. There's core themes that we revisit on an annual basis and check ourselves and make sure that we're lining up to certain biblical values, certain biblical truths. And one of the key values or truths or revelation that comes up during Rosh Hashanah Actually, during this 40-day period, uh, you've been hearing about it, the 30 days of Elul, the Hebrew month of Elul, which in Hebrew means to search. 
and then these 10 days of awe, it's 40 days of teshuvah. Uh, and teshuvah means to return. Also means to repent. Return, repent. God says, return to me and I'll return to you in Malachi. Uh, pastor James, the first pastor of the New Covenant Church, uh, said it this way in James 4, draw near to God, teshuvah to God, and God will draw near to you. Amen. And so it's an annual call to repent, sinner. <laughs> so everybody get your cardboard signs and uh, get out uh, in front of Jerry Jones's world today on the street corner and yell at everybody, turn or burn! <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> kind of uh, shocks people. And it's a good, there's good news, amen. And, and the good news is uh, Yeshua, Jesus, came to forgive us of every sin, to break every curse and reconnect us to every promise of God. And so uh, during uh, this biblical season, uh, we're focusing on Teshuvah. And yes, there's uh, things that we need to repent of. Uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Remember the old joke about the attorney? When did it, yeah, okay. You, you don't remember that. Okay. <laughs> the idea there is to examine yourself, and if you keep blowing a gasket, if you keep missing the mark, this is a time, Lord, help me to get that right. Remove that from my life as part of my lifestyle and help me walk into a new beginning so I can have a happy new year. Amen. Amen. Uh, many times for believers, it's just sorting through our priorities, right? Uh, a lot of times we get busy with worldly priorities. Whoops. Help me, Andy. We, we get busy with worldly priorities and we forget about spiritual priorities. And so uh, during this 40-day season, God says, let my spirit work in you in such a way that you go through how you're spending all your time, where you're spending all your money, where your priorities are, and if anything's out of line, out of whack, if you got off course here or there, get back on course. Amen? Uh, and, uh, yeah, and traditionally there's an emphasis on getting back to doing good deeds. Uh, Ephesians 2 says you were created for good works. Right? Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, we are, we are here to be a light to the world. And uh, sometimes there's no better way uh, to being a light to the world than when you go to the hospital and pray for someone that you love. Amen. Or when you reach out to your family and tell them, look, uh, I know we might have had our disagreements in the past, but I'm your brother, I'm your sister, I'm your family, I love you, I'm praying for you, and I believe for you, for me, our best is yet to come. 
That's being the light of the world. Amen. Uh, when you go down to your favorite charity, we went down to Mission Arlington yesterday uh, and made a donation, uh, brought some things that were not like ready for the landfill, uh, but good things that people could use and be blessed by and uh, dropped that off and uh, made a donation. Good works, being a light to the world, making the world a better place. Sometimes uh, making your family a better place is saying I'm sorry. Amen. And when you start adding all of these different angles into your life, into your habits, you're making the world a better place and you're opening the door to go deeper into your destiny for God. The last thing we want to be after five years, ten years, twenty years in the church is uh, uh, to be a mile wide with the Lord but only an inch deep. Amen. So how many of you are ready to have a better destiny? Hallelujah. You're ready to walk into something good. It's a new year, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. It's a new year, a new beginning. God's going to open new doors of blessing and opportunity, especially as we teshuvah. Say that word, teshuvah. Return to the Lord. Now, ancient uh, Jewish wisdom... There's tons of ancient Jewish wisdom that's worth researching, worth looking at, learning about, because it's all part of our salvation history. Amen. It all goes back 4,000 years, actually 6,000 years. All of that's part of our history. And to learn uh, about it, it's kind of Ancestry.com. Let's learn about what the ancient uh, saints were doing and uh, in one sense on Rosh Hashanah, it's written that Rosh Hashanah is the day of the beginning of creation. In Tishri, this is the month of Tishri, it uh, came from Elul, Tishri, the world was created, ancient wisdom says. And so... Uh, what this is showing us is that if we'll teshuvah, if we'll return to the Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul, new things can and will happen in our life. Good things will happen in our life. You know, uh, if you think about New York Times Square and New Year's Eve and, you know, all the people are gathering and they're watching the ball drop. What are they gathering for? In a worldly way, they're gathering for the hope of a new year, that this new year will be better than last year. Now, they're not thinking about spiritual things per se, teshuvah, uh, reordering my priorities, making amends, getting right with God, getting right with people. As uh, Brother Louis just uh, signaled, they're thinking about, pour me another drink! <laughs> we got a lot more going for us than another drink. We got the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the promises of God ready to be unveiled in our lives at a new level. We just need to be willing to go to the next level. And going to the next level often means we need to move further away from the weight of sin. 
right? We need to move further away from wrong priorities. Uh, if we're going to move into the priorities that God has for our life, uh, we need to be honest enough and truthful enough to look in the mirror and say, yeah, God, I know I, I've been doing good in this area, but I, yeah, I, I, I know I need to get better over here. And so what, can you, what are you doing right, and what can you do better? Amen. And as you have that conversation with the Lord, uh, sometimes He'll just drop some things in you. Have you ever been just uh, uh, in a kind of a non-spiritual moment and all of a sudden it becomes very spiritual? <laughs> all of a sudden you hear the voice of God and He says, if you'll do it this way, if you'll stop doing it that way, and then boom, all of a sudden, if you act on that, respond to that, you've just taken a giant step of faith into something better, into something gooder. How many of you like the idea of something gooder? <laughs> and that's why every year on God's divine calendar, he says, celebrate Rosh Hashanah. It's the head of the year. And think about what the new year uh, means and how you can go in to the next calendar year more anointed, more blessed, more committed, ready to do more of the will of God for your life. Jewish wisdom teaches certain special things happened on Rosh Hashanah. Um, the patriarchs were born on Rosh Hashanah. And so that shows us that God wants to birth something in our life. He'll do that 24-7, 365, but especially on Rosh Hashanah, we can expect if we're paying attention, God, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear what you're doing on your divine calendar and what you're wanting me to focus on and how I can enter into that. Do you ever ask those kind of questions? So the patriarchs were born. May God birth in us something special this year. Amen. Speaking about birthing, on Rosh Hashanah, ancient Jewish literature teaches that Sarah, Rebecca, and Hannah all conceived on Rosh Hashanah. So there again is this concept of God wanting to conceive, to birth something in you. New vision. Anybody could use a little more vision. Yeah, maybe you're right now you just can't see the forest for the trees, as they say. But maybe this is the day, this is the season, this is the divine moment as you press in a little bit in your prayer, press in a little bit in your hunger and thirst, press in a little bit more, doesn't have to be that big, it can just be the size of a mustard seed of pressing in, and all of a sudden, God will take you to the thousand foot level. We're now, oh, I can see a bigger picture up here. Or a 10,000 foot, man, I can see clearly now. Amen. On Rosh Hashanah, the story of Abraham and the binding of Isaac is taught and studied. 
What does that have to do with anything? Because here you see Abraham offering up his son and Isaac in Jewish teaching wasn't a little kid. In Hanna-Barbera teaching, Isaac is a little kid. Anybody remember Hanna-Barbera? <laughs> if that's all the gospel you got, I guess that's okay. We want a little more gospel than Hanna-Barbera. But what a picture of self-sacrifice. A lot of times in our life, all through the year, we're chasing things that are glittery, but it ain't gold. All that glitters ain't gold. And we're chasing after worldly things. And look, it's okay to improve your life. God wants you to improve your life. He wants the main color of your car to be something better than Bondo. Okay? He wants you to have money at the end of your month. But he also wants you to understand that the greatest love there is, is agape love. Ahava love. And that's self-sacrificing type of love. Where you're willing to be inconvenienced from time to time. And everything's just not about me. I, I love what uh, Dion Sanders said the other day. I've just been excited about Dion and what the energy he's brought to uh, college football and very spiritual man. In fact, Pastor Troy is telling me, oh, no, I know Dion real well. I'm going to try to get him in for Black History Month. I said, come on. He said the same thing about Michael Irvin, number 88. <laughs> Try to get him in for Black History Month. But Dion said the other day, it's not a me thing, it's a we thing. This ain't about me, he's telling all the... And I just, what a Christian concept. It's a we thing. And for Christians, uh, they'll know that we're... Uh, disciples of the Lord because we have love for one another. They're trying to get Neon Dion uh, to make a statement about black and white and racial. He said, it ain't about that. Read the quote. Go back on the, and you can read about it. He said, it's not a white thing. It's not a black thing. It's a team thing, a we thing, a family thing. This is the culture I'm trying to create at the university. I have so much respect for that. And Abraham went out of his way to obey the Lord. Put us here's Isaac. He is like the uh, uh, the miracle child, and all of a sudden, I'm supposed to go to Mount Moriah and offer him up as a sacrifice. I don't get this, but I'm going to do it. And he did. And then, obviously, God provided the lamb. He provided the sacrifice. And he said, Abraham, now that I see you doing this, I'm going to release into your life and your descendants so much blessing, so much favor, so much opportunity. And you and I, as the seed of Abraham, we're still experiencing that. Now, maybe you're not experiencing enough of that. <laughs> Amen. But happy Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> it's a new beginning. It's a new season. God is ready to do a new thing. 
And we're, we're just supposed to respond to that. Amen. One thing, just, just get excited. Okay, just be excited. Like when we get in with Pastor today, try to be more excited. Okay, he's looking for uh, air, people in the congregation to be more excited. Okay, yeah, it's not just a college lecture. <laughs> it's preaching the good news that is meant to get inside of us, educate us, yes, but inspire us to get busy living. On Rosh Hashanah, God halted Israel's slavery in Egypt. Here we go. Slavery. Jesus said, you're a slave to sin. Before you come to me and before you know the truth that will set you free. And, and even as Christians, we can still be addicted to things we learned in the world. And the devil, that sneaky little dog, he keeps coming around and trying to get us to go back to living the way we used to live in the world. And we just don't feel in ourselves that we have the power to break that curse. And in yourself, you don't have the power to break that curse. But in the power of God, and at a, a, this appointed time, on Rosh Hashanah, God is saying, I will break the power. Cry out to me, someone, that this, this uh, 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 curse that keeps coming back, and sometimes it feels seven times worse, break that thing in my life, Lord. In the name and by the blood, I break that curse. Sometimes you just got to, you know, get a little amped up. Get a little serious. Now, for me, I'm usually very mild-mannered and low-key. <laughs> so, and this ties in with on Rosh Hashanah, Joseph received his freedom. He went from the prison to the penthouse, from the prison to the palace on Rosh Hashanah. So embedded in this holiday are all of these divine principles. And maybe you feel like you've been struggling to get ahead. Maybe you feel like the whole world's been against you. Maybe you feel like that, that you're broke, busted, and disgusted, and you can't get anything done for yourself, for your family, for the Lord. It's not just one step forward and, and three steps back. It's just always three steps back. And God is saying, this is a day, an appointed time on my divine calendar that I want to energize you and elevate you just like I did Joseph. Anybody want to cry out to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, you did it for Joseph. Do it for me. This is when Jesus launched his public ministry. During the high holiday season. This is when people, uh, this season back, it would be on their minds. This season would be on their minds. Matthew 4 talks about Jesus going into a 40-day period of fasting. 
He went out into the wilderness. He went down from Jerusalem, down towards Jericho, tradition teaches. And out there, it's just wilderness. It's just rocks and sand and hot and desert. But he used that as a time to dedicate himself to what God had sent him to earth to do. It was a time of consecration and dedication to his spiritual mission. This 40 days is when he encountered the devil. Don't you know that when you're in a wilderness time, that's when the devil comes. He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't care that you're hurting. He doesn't care that you're going through stuff. He's the one that wants to pile it on. And then you and your natural self don't know how to put up your spiritual dukes and fight. And God is saying, I've ordained a 40-day period. The shofar is blowing. It's a divine time. If you'll dedicate yourself to me, if you'll consecrate your work to me, I will come in and just as Jesus did, who he defeated the devil, Satan, get behind me. That can happen in your life. Of course, you guys are walking on water. So, uh, your family and your best friend's life. It was after this uh, that he launched his ministry. He got baptized and was recognized by John as the Lamb of God. It probably all culminated with that baptism on Yom Kippur. As all of us know, Yom Kippur, well, most of us know, Yom Kippur is a time to get rebaptized. Immerse yourself. It's symbolic of immersing yourself back into the things of God. I'm going into the new year fully immersed, fully cleansed, purified, sanctified, going into a new year, and the devil ain't got nothing on me. My sins are forgiven, curses are broken, and I'm walking in a, a, a new level of blessing, a new level of destiny. But notice the first red word in the Bible. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, what's the first red letter in the New Testament? Repent. So Jesus comes out of that 40-day period, and he's calling God's people, Teshuvah! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Teshuvah. Return to God. Repent of your sins. Man, that's, that's quite a connection. Why, why do Christians celebrate Rosh Hashanah? Or why should they? For everything we're just talking about. I want that revelation activated in my life. I just don't want to go through the motions of Christianity. I want something sown in my spirit that will energize me and inspire me to keep going for God. That's why one of the key symbols of this 40-day season is God's trumpet, the shofar. Andy, give us a blast on the shofar. Andy's got a great shofar there. Come on. 
Blow the trumpet in Zion. What was that all about? When we first sang that song, the first time I heard back in the 80s, I didn't know that they were talking about a shofar. I thought they were talking about Al Hurt and Rick Braun. Louis Armstrong. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm. What alarm? The alarm that here come to judge. Here come to judge. Everybody know that here come to judge. Right? Flip Wilson. So it's a time of judgment. Not all judgment has to be bad. If you're in a civil lawsuit and uh, you're, you're waiting for $10 million to be uh, 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 awarded to you as part of the judgment and you get the $10 million, that's a good day. I read in the, uh, 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 online the other day that uh, Michael Irvin just received a, uh, a judgment. Because he was falsely accused uh, back last Super Bowl, and uh, he sued Marriott for a hundred million dollars for false accusations, and they they uh, uh, just settled this thing. Pastor Troy said normally they'll settle these things for about three quarters of what the lawsuit was. So we were just did simple math and realized, boy, Michael Irvin, he, he, he just got a $75 million judgment. Come, I said, well, since you know him, Pastor Troy, and, and you know a good church, if, if he feels like he needs to tithe, <laughs> we got a good church here. <laughs> How many of you want to be judged favorably? Where the heavenly judge isn't throwing the book at you. Your heavenly judge is your father. Oh, here come the judge. Oh, it's dad. Hi, dad. <laughs> Forgive me of some of that boneheaded stuff I was doing. I'm sorry. I repent. Okay, son. I, I receive your apology. And now uh, here's the judgment. You win. The devil loses. Amen? That's all part of this season, Rosh Hashanah. According to Numbers 10, 9, and 10, the shofar is intended to release God's anointing and God's power in a spiritual sense. Numbers 10, 9, and 10. We know Joel 2, blow the, sound the alarm, so it's meant to wake us up from any spiritual slumber. Amen? If, if you feel spiritually sluggish, ask Andy to blow the shofar in your ear. <laughs> Better yet, ask the Lord to spiritually let the shofar sound in your heart to wake you up and get you back on track living for God, going for God with all of your heart and soul. Number two, it breaks the power of any deception. So your spiritual eyes can be opened. 
Amen? How many of you love the idea that you have spiritual eyes to see? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. How do I do that? Blow the shofar. Well, why would I blow the shofar? That seems kind of hokey. Well, is there uh, God, number one, God says to do it. Number two, just look at all the, uh, is, there any, uh, is there anything else God tells you to do where you're going to expect? Something to happen. Sow a seed and expect a harvest. Lay hands on the sick and expect the sick to raise your hands in worship and praise. And all of a sudden, God inhabits the praises of his people. Blow the trumpet in Zion and, and confuse the enemy. Defeat the enemy that's been coming against you. Amen. It's uh, the shofar reminds us that there, we're in an appointed time of blessing. God doesn't want anybody to miss out. People do miss out because they just don't know how to enter into things with faith, with trust. You know the concept of going all in? Yeah, all in. How many of you are all in? Well, then you can expect a blessing. It's, it's not being arrogant. It's just part of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't believe that God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, are you really walking by faith? Are you believing for the best? Or did you come out of a religious place where they teach you to believe for the worst? Don't expect too much. I'm expecting every blood-bought promise to be fulfilled. That's not arrogance, that's confidence. Confidently believing that every promise is yes and amen to those that believe. How many believers are in the house? And it's just a call to get back on track to loving God, loving people. That's the essence of the gospel. Amen. And it manifests itself out in many, many ways. One of the great Jewish rabbis from a thousand years ago, Maimonides, uh, wrote, There is a hidden message we are supposed to infer by listening to the shofar. It suggests to say, sleeping ones, awaken from your sleep. Slumbering ones, Awaken from your slumber. Examine your deeds. Remember your Creator and do Teshuvah. Amen. That's the spirit of this season. So the shofar is God's alarm clock, it's a siren. The first Wednesday of every month at one o'clock, uh, uh, in this area of Bedford, they have the civil defense siren go off. And it's an early warning signal that something's about to happen, right? Sometimes tornado-type things. But in God's work, judgment is about to happen. And it can either be good or bad. Amen? I'm ready for something good, right? And how can I say that? Because just like you, I've been about my father's business, right? Right? Are you about your father's business? Yes. 
If you're not, the shofar, oh man, McFly. And so the Jewish blessing when spoken, as you blow the shofar, it reveals a secret. Because it says, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who commands us to hear the voice of the shofar. Not just the sound. He doesn't say, blow the shofar. Blessed are you uh, uh, when I blow the shofar. No, it says, hear. Hearing ears. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. What's God's voice saying to you today? Amen. In a large sense, the shofar is telling us, the king is coming. <laughs> Jesus is coming. So don't get left behind. <laughs> Amen. When he comes back and he finds you about your father's business, then you're going to hear the great, great words that are written in the Bible, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Well done, child of God. Well done, daughter of God. Well done, son of God. Amen? So this is what it's meant to stir up when we study. Now you go into Yom Kippur next week, we'll study some different things. And when you get into Hanukkah, you get into Passover, you get into Pentecost, there's different uh, themes that stir up in us. And so on God's divine calendar, there's a cycle or a rhythm of life God is trying to create in us so that we're not walking to the beat of the world's drum. It's okay to be up on all the news. It's okay to be political. It's okay to be financial. It's okay to participate in the things of the world that will help your family and help your business and help you stay out of the poor farm. Right? But it'll also help you stay on spiritual course. And that's the main thing. What does it profit a man, Jesus said, to win the whole world and lose your own soul? So you just don't want to be, you know, losing your soul, do you? And I wish we had time to teach this, but uh, the holidays reveal God's plan of redemption. So if somebody asks you, well, why do you study all that Jewish stuff? Well, number one, it's biblical stuff. Is it okay if I study the Bible without you throwing rocks at me? <laughs> can, I, can I just study the full gospel? The full gospel doesn't start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The full gospel starts in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I got one amen. Can I get a second amen? And it reveals God's plan for redemption, salvation, deliverance. Just think about it. All the spring holidays on God's calendar show the Lord's redemptive work in his first coming. Passover, Pentecost, right? Lamb of God, giving of the Holy Spirit. 
The fall holidays reveal his redemptive work as part of his second coming. Yeah. This is a big reason why if you, you can go over there later, read Colossians 2, Colossians 2.17 calls the biblical holidays a shadow of things to come. They reveal something greater than the shadow itself. Now the shadow's part of the real thing. The shadow isn't an imitation or a counterfeit. The shadow's part of the real thing. A shadow of things to come. That something greater than just the holiday itself is coming. And they reflect that Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming, and with him is redeeming power. With him are abundant promises. With him is eternal life, and like we said last week on Sunday, the high life. High. God calls them the feasts of the Lord, my feast, and their appointed times, Leviticus 23. And then there's something interesting. Uh, he also says, and it's just a translation from the 1600s in England. They taught and wrote differently than we talk and write today in 1600. The, the King James Version, the original King James Version, you can't even read it because it just is uh, written in a way that they didn't, we don't write that way anymore. And so they wrote the word holy convocation. My feasts are holy convocations. But no one understood what that meant. It's just a theological word. But the, the meaning of holy convocations, my feasts are holy convocations, it means divine rehearsals. You know what a rehearsal is. It's practice for the real thing. My feasts are practice for the real thing. Why do you care about all? Because I'm practicing for the real thing. Oh, somebody, are you with me on this? Or are we, is this just like, I want 101 stuff. Every one of God's biblical holidays has within it embedded powerful revelation pertaining to how to be redeemed, how to live your salvation and work your salvation out, and how to be delivered from the works of darkness. And when God says celebrate Rosh Hashanah, uh, He wants us to connect some dots. Like we said earlier, you know, most Christians know more about Valentine's Day or Halloween than they know about Rosh Hashanah. What's that thing called? Rosh Hashanah. Oh, forget it. And we did for hundreds of years. We forgot about Rosh Hashanah. And we learned about St. Patrick's Day and green beer. We learned about Easter, chocolate bunnies uh, laying colored eggs. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah is called the Feast of Trumpets. 
And as we mentioned, God's trumpet, God's shofar, announces the coming of the king. And one day there's going to be such a trumpet sound, a final trumpet sound, and it's going to announce the catching away or the rapture of the church, the saints. Those that have been born again, those that are serving God, those that love the Lord are going to enter into eternity at that time and will forever be with the Lord. This is what we're rehearsing. I'm preparing for this day. I'm not going to be caught unawares like a thief in the night. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to have my security cameras out. And if somebody comes onto my property and tries to steal my eternal life, my salvation, my blessing, a siren's going to go off. Because I'm watchful, I'm sober, I'm vigilant about the things of God. I'm rehearsing that. I'm making sure I'm not giving my best to the world and leftovers to God. Now, I like leftover pizza, and sometimes I'll scrounge for leftovers. I'm not a big leftover guy, but when you're hungry, beggars can't be choosy. I'll eat peanut butter and jelly, cold pizza, and all this stuff. But, but I, I want a full meal deal. That's what I really like. And so, I don't know why I said all of that. It just drew a blank. Jersey Mike's. Had to have been there last week, Jersey Mike. All right, so one of the deeper meanings for this shadow of things to come, I love this. In ancient Jewish thought, the shadow in Jewish wisdom means to elevate ourselves. It's a shadow of things to come, meaning that it's an opportunity for me to elevate myself to a higher level. And that's what the biblical holidays are meant to do. That's why God has them. I mean, I went to Bible college and graduated two years of Bible college as a valedictorian, man. I was a hungry, studious, hard-working, essay-writing, Bible-reading, class-attending dude. And I never heard any of this. But right now, I'm, uh, I'm absorbed in this and have been for almost 30 years now because there's revelation, there's wisdom, there's things that God is saying that the Christian church has missed because we thought we replaced Israel. We thought the Old Testament should be plowed into the landfill of history. Oh, that's real nice to plow in three-quarters of your Bible into a landfill. Thank you, preacher, for teaching me all of that is null and void and abolished, even against Jesus' own words in uh, Matthew 5, 17. I didn't come to abolish this. I came to show you how to live it so you could have the high life, a blessed life, a quality life, an abundant life, a higher life. 
How many of you have been serving God for any length of time and you're better off now than when you started? I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. That's how it's supposed to work. Now, granted, the devil tries to disrupt those plans, and he does a good job many times. But Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. The word of God is against you. The promises of God is against you. The anointing, the power, the presence of God working in my life is against you. I bind you and cast you out into the depths of the sea in the name by the blood through the word of the living God. And we lather, rinse, repeat that. Now, you don't necessarily need to do that uh, in public. You can. But I highly encourage you to do that at home. In your prayer closet, sometimes you just got to get amped up. And if you don't know how to get amped up, then take a double espresso and get your heart beating a little bit, the blood pumping a little bit, and say, God, fill me with an anointing that will break every yoke and remove every burden because I'm tired of living that way. I'm tired of that same thing coming. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Lord. Let it blow in my heart. Let me see the best. Let me see the victory. Let me see the breakthrough. Let me see the miracle. And as we do that, you make that kind of spiritual investment. It's not a waste of time. Amen? It's not a waste of time. How many of you agree with me that serving God, living for Jesus is the best decision you ever made? Amen. We'll go into these 10 days of awe, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, uh, just open to receiving. Even look at some things up on the internet and learn a little bit more about this season from the people that wrote the book. Did you know the Jews wrote the Bible? <laughs> so they kind of have some insider information there that's worth learning. Amen. We're, Christians are the Johnny-come-latelys. And there's nothing wrong with learning from a Christian pastor. We're Christians. I'm a Christian. But I'm also a Judeo-Christian. And I honor and love and respect the Jewishness of the Bible. And the Jewish side of things is very important. And uh, uh, how many of you have found that to be true? Amen. Well, have a happy Rosh Hashanah. God bless you.